How much adventure is in your life? When you face a problem, what do you do? When we go out and we confront reality, do we confront reality for what it really is? Do we go out and deal with creation as it is? Or do we desperately bear false witness? We bear false witness about creation so that we can pretend that it is something other than what it truly is. Many in our world, they want to tell us that everything is just a social construct, that nothing is really good and nothing is really bad. Of course, this theory is often present, presented with insufficient evidence and is based on the premise that there's this grand subconscious conspiracy to oppress certain people. Furthermore, this mentality of the world tells us that suffering would evaporate if we would just all liberate ourselves from the chains of tradition. If we would just do away with society as it is, we could be free. Our world wants to tell us not to be a hero, to fall in line, to forfeit our will as an individual for the sake of equalizing the collective. If we could just merely surrender our personal will to the world, all of humanity, it would be free. It would be equalized as one. But what if all of this is a lie? What if suffering is inherent to life and surrendering your will will really not do much about that? What if creation, when God spoke it into existence, it was a place that was a place of meaning. But once sin entered the equation, it fell. From the day we are born, born into a world that it had fallen long before our birth, what if we are put up against various challenges and suffering is inherent to life? What if we are called to adventure, not to surrender the call to be a hero, but instead we are in fact called to adventure, to be great, to embrace the fantastic and even the mysterious? What if the fantastic mysteries of life are not fake constructs of some unknown conspiracy, but instead the fantastic mysteries of the world are the call of God to go out into this world of darkness and bring a light? The lie of our age is that the meaning you find in life is a mere product of how well you embrace your personal story. That there is freedom in eradicating rules and barriers. But what if all of this is a lie? Because you see, if we actually deal with creation and reality for what it is, rules and constraints, they're actually needed to protect us. There is no adventure, there is no true meaning if we just search inwardly. And in fact, you cannot go on a very lengthy adventure. You can't go on an adventure that has any meaning at all if there is no danger if there is no protection, if there is no ability to overcome trial, then there is no adventure. The lie of our age gives us a place with no meaning. This lie that we just look deep within ourselves to find meaning, this is a great lie. It's not necessarily new, but it is something which many people in our day and age want to embrace. But let me give you an alternative. Your meaning is found in how well you embrace the call of God. Welcome to Jolton Church of the Nazarene. I'm Pastor Jay Dylan Proctor, and we're recording this sermon instead of being from the pulpit. We're actually in our studio, Cord Purgatory, where we record the Kingdom of the Logos content. Today, in our sermon, we're going to be looking at Zechariah chapter 5. In our scripture in Zechariah chapter 5 gives us a fantastic and very mysterious image of a flying scroll, which is not unlike a flying carpet. And on this scroll, there are two curses. One side is a curse against the thief, and the other is a curse against those who bear false witness. Now, there is a common element between these two curses. They're both against people who have a claim to something which is not really there. They don't actually have a claim to it. They have a fake claim. They are trying to usurp something which is not theirs. For those who are thieves, they act as if they have a claim to something which they do not have a claim. For those who bear false witness, they act as if they have a claim to reality 
which is not actually reality. It is not the true reality of creation. Let's get on to all of this. But before we hear our scripture, let's go back in time to hear the story of a slave turned bandit who had a great adventure in the kingdom of God. Now, this is the story of a man named Moses. And no, it is not the Moses that we think of when we hear the story of Exodus. We hear the, the Hebrew man, Moses, who was born, put into the river, and grows up as Pharaoh's grandchild in a sorts, and then goes to liberate the people of God crossing the Red Sea. Not that Moses. Today, we're going to be talking about a man who lived much later than that. He lived actually in the time of the early church, so only a few hundred years ago. This man, Moses, he was born into slavery in an, the land of Egypt to an Egyptian family. Now, while he was a young man, he went out and committed murder. And of course, one does not want to have a slave that commits murder, and he was cast out. He was sent into exile out in the wilderness. And this man, Moses, he looking to find meaning in life, he decided he would join a band of robbers. And he brutally worked his way to the top, being absolutely savage with all around him. He had quite the reputation for being rather ingenious, but also quite brutal in the way that he would go about plotting different crimes. And over the years, he made a lot of enemies. There were people who would come after him, and even those who would seek to bring justice to the wilderness, they were often after this man, Moses. Well, things hit a bit of a pinnacle point one time. He had a lot of enemies coming down after him, and he realized that he couldn't even stay with his own band of baddies. So what does this man Moses do? He flees, and he finds himself hiding amongst a group of monks in a monastery. And as he stayed with them, the monks, they had pity on this man Moses. They realized he was quite a bad actor. He was quite the antisocial person doing a lot of dubious and evil things. But they had mercy on him. There had been a man of violence. They said, well, if you, you will stay with us in the monastery, perhaps you can come to know God. And he did just that. While Moses was there in the monastery, he came to know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And he stayed with the monks there. Over time, he eventually would become a deacon in the church. And he realized he had this sort of conflict in his life. He said, well, I used to be this very savage and brutal man. I even committed murder when I was young, but... What can I do now? And he starts to think about how he could become someone who is more of a pacifist and not be someone who is quite so into taking the sword to, to slaughter people. But then something happened. Robbers, they attacked the monastery where he was serving, and he had to fight them. And realizing his position, he immediately went and drew his sword again, and he beat and fought the robbers to where they were almost all dead. But he said, you know what? I'm not going to cross the line. He had a bit of a Batman complex where he says, I'm going to beat you to a pulp, but I draw the line at actually killing you. And after restraining from killing these robbers, Moses, he said, why don't we allow them to stay just as I was allowed to stay? And so eventually, after some time, these robbers who were beat almost to death by this, this guy in the monastery, Moses, they too come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And they start to follow Moses. And eventually, as Moses carries on in his life, he realizes that he may actually have the opportunity to really become a priest in the church. And as he goes down this pathway, the bishop comes to test him. And he treats Moses as someone who is unworthy for the priesthood. He says, you're, you're just a lowly Ethiopian. You're someone who has had so much sin in your life. How could you ever become a priest? But Moses, he humbles himself. And then the bishop tells him he was merely testing how humble he could be. And then Moses becomes a priest. 
And as time goes on, Moses goes and he collects a lot of followers. But there's still this overwhelming urge within himself. He says, how do I be someone who was so brutal and savage in the past, but yet I want to be someone who is more of a pacifist, who doesn't go to arms? And as the years went on, he became what would be known as a confirmed pacifist. He was someone who was completely outspoken against all forms of violence. But then something again came up in his life when he was about 75. He heard that there would be a great attack on the monastery. By this time, he is in fact a priest. He is someone with some reputation in the church. He's been a very godly man for a long time. He's fought robbers. He's even beat some almost to death. But he has led so many people to know their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But now this attack was coming. And he knew that something must be done. You see, Moses wanted to live in this reality where there was no evil baddies coming to fight you. In fact, he wanted to say, well, I used to be a baddie, and now that I'm not, perhaps everyone else, we can just have peace in a new form. But you see, in creation, we don't get to set the rules for how the world works. We don't get to redesign physics. We don't get to redesign the mentality and behavior of everyone around us just because that's what we want to do. We don't get to develop a nice story and say that's how the world works. Moses he had felt the call of God in his life. He had felt the adventure of God in his life, and now he was faced with this very serious attack. Again, being a former robber himself, he knows when they come to attack the monastery, they're going to kill everyone inside. They're going to take everything. There will be nothing left. So Moses, he has this moment of confrontation. And he looks around, and he blesses the other monks. He says, why don't you all leave? And he says, you know, I've been thinking. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he gave us this idea, he gave us this message that said, those who live by the sword will die by the sword. And I think I have met the day where that scripture, where that, that message will truly be fulfilled. And he went deep within the monastery, deep within the monastery, and he found something he had not used in a long time. And that, of course, was his sword. He put on his, his sword and his armor, and he moves back up through the monastery. He had sent away many of the other monks, but there were just a few that stayed with him, and they also picked up arms. They would fight the attackers. They would fight them to the point of holding them back. And of course, this would allow the others to flee. The other Christians, the other monks, the others of those who were staying at the monastery, they would be able to flee and have their lives if Moses and a few of his followers would stay behind. And they did. They held off the attackers though eventually they were overwhelmed and they all became martyrs of the faith. But Moses did take the call of God, the adventure. He took even the sword when it was necessary because he realized in this world, while we are called to be people who do not initiate violence, that doesn't mean that others were not initiated against us. Moses, he took the call of God and he answered the call to adventure. And he was unmistakably a great saint through the history of the church. I want us to ponder on how much adventure we have in our lives and how we are called to be people of God who truly go out into the world. We don't just sit in the pews, but we're actually people who do wonderful things to build the kingdom. I want us to go now to the book of Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 5, it opens up with this fantastic image. And again, it is very much like a magic carpet. And I want us to think about this because the magic carpet image, it seems like something which is unreal. It sort of seems fairy tale like and like something which is a story. However, there is more truth to this magic carpet, which is the law, than there is to a lot of the fantasy 
and the theories going around in our modern world that everything is just a social construct. You see, the law, it truly is like a great ship. It is a ship which can carry you out of darkness and across the land where you will not only go on adventures, but you will be prepared to go to battle as well. Now, this doesn't mean that you're one who initiates battles, but there are things which are going to be thrown at you in your personal life. Maybe it's something small, maybe it's something huge. There are going to be battles that we have to fight in life, and we need something telling us how to do it. Once we face the darkness, we have to figure out how we are going to handle it. So let's go to our, our scripture, and we're going to begin in Zechariah chapter 5, verse 1. And I'll be reading from the ESV. And Zechariah 5, 1 says, Again I lifted my eyes and saw, and behold, a flying scroll. And he said to me, What do you see? And I answered, I see a flying scroll. Its length is 20 cubits, and its width 10 cubits. And then he said to me, This is the curse that goes out over the face of the whole land. For everyone who steals will be cleaned out by according to what is on one side, and everyone who swears falsely shall be cleaned out according to what is on the other side. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Moving beyond our scripture to have a discussion about it, we find that in our secular world, and even in our own temptations, there is a side of us that tells us that there is liberty without the law. That there is liberty without this flying scroll telling us not to be thieves and not to bear false witness. That there is liberty when we go away from the things which give our lives barriers and constraints and actually protection. The things which actually give us meaning. They give us the ability to think. They give us the ability to go out and be wonderful people. But there's a side of us that says, no, we find liberty, we find freedom, and we find adventure in the places where there is no law. But in reality, the adventure, the freedom, the liberty that's found in the places with no law, it doesn't last very long. In fact, it consumes itself, and without any sort of metric or barrier to even give us an understanding of meaning, it collapses upon itself very quickly. So I tell you this, there is no liberty without the law. There is no adventure without something to protect you. There's no adventure when you're not actually up against a serious crisis. The world and all of its sinful nature wants to tempt us to eradicate order and reason and rationality and wants to throw away rules to unchain ourselves from any form of domestication. In its latest attempt, it is trying to tell us that everything is just a social construct anyway. It's just in your mind. It's not really real. That everything is just in your head. And now on the surface level, we really want to believe this. And I, I sympathize with people who look around and they, they see that they're suffering in the world and they want to do something about that. And they see that there are injustice, there are things which don't seem fair. And they say, well, maybe, maybe if it, we can just redesign society, all of that will go away. But you see, it's not a product of just society. It's a, a product of, of human nature. And without spiritual transformation, we will never get physical transformation. You see, the freedom that we want in our lives, the sort of physical freedoms which we can easily think about, they are products of spiritual freedom. And spiritual freedom only can happen when one has a right relationship with God. It seems to make sense to us that something like sin, it would just be a social fabrication. But as we start to think about it, and we start to look roots of deep, they are ancient. The concept of the law, it is more ancient than anything we can imagine. And sin, Evil, these things, they are hungry like predators. And we're going to have to set up to these predators. They want us to think that they are merely a, a construct of our mind. They want to trick us into thinking they are not real. But we must have something which can grant us power over evil. 
Many in our world see the suffering in life and they want to escape from it. They simply say that the world is rigged against them by traditions and by society, and that all of it occurs as a direct result of societal structure. We'll just tear down society, we'll be all free. But this is a lie, ladies and gentlemen. This is a lie. There is no true freedom without spiritual holiness. Spiritual freedom gives birth to physical freedom. And that is only found by living by the law of God and the call of God, not by the law of man. Many in our world, they want to have a world with no rules for good and bad. And I've met a lot of people who say there's no such thing as evil. But yet, what I find so interesting is even though they say that with their mouths, they still organize their lives as if there is good and evil. In fact, they just rebrand good and evil. They'll say there's no evil, and then they start using the word hate as if they're talking about evil. And they lose the meaning of what hate actually is. There are people who say there's no actual true good, and then they say there's things like love, and love over rules, and there's no rules to love. And they actually function like there are still rules, though they've just tried to break down the ancient ones. What if freedom is about living out our adventure of the call of God? I really want us to think about that today. Because the lie of our age is that the meaning that you find in life is just a product of how well you embrace your personal story. This great lie that if you will just eradicate rules and barriers, you can be free. But it is a lie. Because we need rules. We need constraints. We need things which will protect us against the things thrown at us. And you see, that's what barriers and things do, just like this coat that I have on. It's pretty cold right now at the time that I'm giving this message, and you go outside in the 30-degree weather, you need something to protect you. Yes, it may be wool, and it may rip your skin off of your bones if you let it touch it, but at the same time, it will protect you, and you will last much longer with it. You see, there is no adventure, there is no true meaning if you just search inwardly and never confront anything. You cannot have a lengthy or meaningful adventure without protection. So the alternative that I give you as your meaning is found in how well you embrace the call of God. Thank you for joining us. Again, I'm Pastor Jay Dylan Proctor at Jolton Church of the Nazarene. And again, this is a bit of a different sermon in the sense that I'm not preaching it from behind the pulpit, but instead I am in our studio, Cord Purgatory. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up there. If you have any thoughts, questions, comments about any of this, please reach out to me. You can send me a, a Facebook message. Many of you know where you can find my, my phone number. Please feel free to give me a call or a text. You can, again, find Kingdom of the Logos on Facebook as well if you want to see our online exclusive content. And with that, God love you and have a blessed day.